Everybody, welcome to the Notes Magoats podcast. I am Brandon, and I'm Steve. And Steve, how you doing, man? I am doing pretty good, man. How are you? Good. It is like middle to end of October now. Well, yeah, it's, right now it's end of September. It and is. Florida's underwater. Except it feels like all right, October. Steve. It does. It they feels are. Like I, I, well, you're not wrong, but uh, it is. Uh, it's the end of middle to end of October. We're recording the middle to the end of September, and. It's the same temperature, I'm sure. It could possibly be snowing right now in Michigan. Dude, it's Michigan. It's going to be like 85. I'm not kidding you. It'll be 85. Not wrong. If it's 85 if on October 21 when this one drops, I will be at the beach. I promise you. I will go to the beach. Still and be my, tra- and- my translucent self. I will take my shirt off. I will walk on the pier. You will be the ass sun. Na- ass naked. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. It's going on TikTok. Uh, Oh, boy. All right. So, Steve, I'll put the filters in. We're good. I know. So, Steve, we uh, we have a guest today. It's Friday. Poor guest. You just thought you asked me ass naked. Well, I know. But, uh, you know, it is what Gosh. it is. So um, <laughs> he understood what he's getting involved in. Well, you know, because the last time we knew what we were getting ourselves involved with. And it was this crazy band called Bread. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But. We had to bring on the other half of that. Ha- so we had to bring in the other, I was going to say half so we had loaf. Elizabeth. Yes, the half, the half loaf. <laughs> the half, I don't know. <laughs> she's going to love that reference. Oh my God. As long as you don't call her the heel. That's yeah, she's cool. not the heel. No, not at all. No, no, no. All right, Steve, I'm, I'm done talking. Who are we talking oh, to today? This is why I let you introduce things. This Terrible is why life. I also don't drink while we podcast. And I drink every single time, which is hilarious. I know. Um, so, guys, today we are bringing in, as Brandon said, his wife was on the podcast back in july during hate month and she brought us a doozy of hate um oh, man. for bread it was it was one of the I've most just fun now episodes. gotten back into peanut butter and jelly sandwiches dude i i told you i wanted to do the six degrees of kevin bacon sandwich and do two bread albums and do six kevin bacon soundtracks in the middle of it I do, and then we should find something that has like lettuce or i'll figure it out we're gonna do a sandwich month yeah sandwich I, month I, I like it i like we'll it. figure it out eventually here but guys tangents all over the damn place uh yeah. maybe i shouldn't be drinking either uh but today guys we're talking to mark allen miller uh like i yeah, said he was he was on the podcast briefly you guys didn't hear him but he did send us our recording which was probably better than ours and we got to see his whole record collection which we were super jealous of yeah um but so mark thank you for being on the podcast yeah thanks for having me and it's like to do this yeah, right. Yeah, you brought us a band. You're like, guys, I got one. They've got a bunch of albums. I got to figure out which album I want to do. And that took a, a couple of weeks because you're like, I got a band. And we're like, oh, down. What album? And you're like, that's a hard choice. I'll be back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, you got a little time. You're fine. So who are we talking about today? And what album are we talking about? Well, we're talking about XTC. Yes, Andy Partridge, Colin Molding, Dave Gregory. And well, they had a few other members over the years, but those, that's the three core yeah. members of. XTC and Andy Partridge is still very active, um, mm-hmm. so doing solo projects and releasing a bunch of his home demos and charting them up for for public consumption. And I'm sadly behind on buying them, but they're excellent. Nice. But XTC are well, they were uh, post punk 
band. They were, you know, kind of out of the new wave punk era in the late 80s or late mm -hmm. 70s, rather, from uh, from England. They were uh, out of a town called Swindon, which was a a railworks town. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a port. Yep. And so there's 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 a seaport and there's railways and the whole thing kind of seeps into their music a fair bit, particularly on this record. Mm hmm. They started out as this, this sort of post-punk thing and very quickly evolved in, or well, punk, new wave, whatever, a hyper-kinetic. Um, Barry Andrews, who later formed Shriekback, was the keyboard player. And, yep. And their drummer, Terry Chambers, who was with them through the album prior to the one we're going to be discussing. Mm -hmm. Excellent outfit. Uh, Barry left for the third album. They brought in Dave Gregory, which was the uh, the famous album Drums and Wires, which yielded their first really kind of major international hit with Making Plans for Nigel, mm. which is a Colin Moulding song, because Colin also writes. He's the bass player, but he also writes a lot of the, the songs. Well, you know, he gets two or three a record, typically. They evolved a little further from there, got a little bit heavier with an album called Black Sea, and then brought in the acoustic guitars a fair bit more, but still kept the heavy rhythms and things on a album that was going to be my first choice, English Settlement. Which is, I don't know if we're at this part of the podcast, if I have a favorite album by the band, but... Um, oh, I mean, go for it. That might be my favorite album by them. It's the first album. It's the first album I ever owned from them. I actually bought it, sound unheard, at a used record store. I was probably 12 years old and just flipping through the bins and went, this looks interesting, and brought it home and put it on and went, oh, wow, mm -hmm. this is, I don't even know what to do with this, but it's fantastic. And quickly, my friends all caught on. It was a big, you know, we'd quote song, uh, song lyrics in the hallway at middle school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, then they did an album called Mummer. Mm -hmm. And I was... Which was preceded this one. Yeah. The one prior to this one. And I was psyched for it. I had the, the first single came out before the album. I had that. I liked it. I didn't love it, but I thought it was really, you know, it was good. The album came out and I listened to it once and barely made it through it. Oh no! And went wow. I don't. I don't quite understand what's going on. It got very acoustic, very pastoral. Um, there's only one song on it that even remote re resembles the prior album or the album after, called "Funk Papa Roll," which is really kind of almost could be on this record. Mm -hmm. uh, very electric guitar heavy. And so I, I put that album away and kind of went, you know, okay, you know, I'm not going to get rid of it. I don't hate it, but all right. And then this record comes out. And a DJ friend of mine played, he had it before I did, and he played the um, the first single, I think was This World Over, which is the last song on side one. Played it on his radio show. He was a huge XTC fan. Had a, at that point, you know, B-sides were like the holy grail. If you could find all the singles, you get all the B-sides. And yeah. he, had the, he had them all. Nice. And so he would, he would do like a special hour of his show. Wow. dedicated to XTC every so often and I've taped them all and all that and that, that song came on and I went okay wait a minute hold on now we're back now we're back this is this is interesting and then the album yeah. came out I bought it and it was like yes this here we go this is it's big guitars it's rock I get it it's it's actually kind of noisy and I, at that point I think it was 85 I was getting into pretty heavily into like industrial music at the okay. time cabaret voltaire is one of my all-time favorite bands and i was super into them from yeah. like around 83 82 or yeah 83 82 um is when i sort of discovered them and 
there was elements of industrialness to this record, which is actually kind of clutch to the to the aesthetic of the record. Mm-hmm. That was it. It was like, okay, we're back, and yeah, yeah. And they maintained they maintained their presence after that. And then just to finish up the Mummer thing, and then we can move on with, with whatever you want. Yeah, no, you're good, dude. Um, Go you're ahead. Good. Yeah. The 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 Mummer album. I pulled that out a couple albums later. They did their very, very famous Skylarking record, which is mm-hmm. probably what another record that people think is their, their best record. I think it's a very good record. I, on certain days, think it's their best, but on other days, I'm like, I don't know. Talk to me tomorrow, and, and you know, change. Yeah, it could be. It could be white music. You know, it could be. It could be go to one of the first records. It's like my favorite record of the time because I'm in that mood for the punky thing. Right. Sure. So I pull I, after that came out and they did the Dukes of Stratosphere, which is their psychedelic side project, mm-hmm. which also is mind blowingly good. It's it's actually that might be some of their best. I don't know. See, ask me tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I pulled out Mummer again, I and mean, I'd put it on a few times in in the interim, but I pulled it out and put it on and went, ah, I get it, I get it. And it, it was it was sort of encompassing all of the other things that were then explored mm-hmm. were actually kind of in that record, but I didn't unpack it in the way that allowed me to appreciate it. And so mm-hmm. that could be my favorite record on a given day. Oh, but yeah, you get those moods for sure. Yeah, it took me it took me, you know, three years, I think, for, for me to come around on that record. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like I said, there's a lot to go through with these guys. I did I didn't realize like how long they had been rolling. Really looking through some of the history on giving you guys some background on XTC. If you're not familiar with them, they are an English rock band, as, as Mark said, uh, from Swindon, Swindon, uh, which is about 75 miles or so from from London, which is it's, apparently a very very far. It's uh, west, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's west. west. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, uh, 75 miles in England is a big distance, apparently, because like. There was a big change. I was like, seventy-five miles in the U.S. is like, I don't know, down the road. It's like yeah. it's an hour from here. That's, yeah, that's that's not yeah, not that's, a big deal for us. But like apparently, at the time, which is the you know mid seventies, it was a big deal. Um, they were kind of looked down on because they were from a small town that wasn't that wasn't London or wasn't the big big cities. But they were active from nineteen seventy two to two thousand six. Yeah, they went forever. Oh, wow. Um, founding band members, like I said, yeah. were Andy Partridge, like you said, were Andy Partridge, uh, Colin Molding, Terry Chambers, and then Dave Gregory was the fourth member that was with the band the longest. Yes. Um, he was kind of the fourth guy. Um, Terry Chambers was the drummer. He did leave after Mummer, um, because they stopped touring. Um, yeah, I did find nice. that it was funny that they, they started in the early seventies, but the group changed their name like frequently. Up until like 75 when they were signed, um, when they kind of started getting more stuff, they became XTC in 75. So for the first three, three and a half years, they changed the name like every month. Like ABC and then HIJ or something like that? They were just changing it. That was dumb, dumb joke. Star Park uh, was one of their bands. Helium mm-hmm. Kids was another one. Okay. They were just kind of seeing what stuck. Yeah. I have, I, have, I have CDs of Star Park and Helium Kids stuff. I think one of them is actually legitimate and one of them is a bootleg. Yeah. Um, nice. But they, they is, did one that. Of, one of them is legit, yeah. And they did end up signing with Virgin Records in 77. More on that in just a few minutes because they got screwed. Um, yeah. The band did tour until 82, as Mark said. Um, they cited a rigorous performance schedule that caused um, Partridge to have stress-related illness. He couldn't mm. do it anymore. Um, basically, if he had kept touring, he was probably not going to make it much longer. Right. 
Um, so they became a studio only band, which isn't something you see very often anymore. Like they just said no more touring like the Beatles did. And they said, we're not doing this anymore. We're just going to be studio only. And after this announcement, Terry Chambers said, I'm going to Australia. And he kind of did his own thing and went to Australia. Um, He still wanted to play and he didn't want to be a studio only guy. So kind of reinvented himself, went to Australia. Which, you know, British guy going to Australia, he probably did well. Um, 14 <laughs> studio albums, two live albums, 40 singles. Now, 31 music videos for a band in the 70s. 31 music videos. They did a lot of music videos for it was kind of a thing, but really didn't get big until the 80s. But I mean, like you said, they kind of hit their heyday in the 80s. That's a lot of music videos for only having 40 singles. You would think they would have, wouldn't have that many. Um, yeah, I think a lot of them are, are, are live things yeah they're just off the wall ones but so they did have 23 singles that charted on the uk charts um making plans for nigel uh was number 17 and sergeant rock is going to help me was number 16 those are the top two singles they had um of the 40 ones they put out those two the highest chart toppers um the band is compared to the who uh, um the kinks yeah right and and the Beatles, and more often mm-hmm. than not, they're compared to the Beatles. Um, but they never got all bands that start with the word the the. Well, they're in their English bands. But they never got as successful yeah. um, because. Um, and Partridge is quoted saying that if they had come from a bigger city, they would have been revered like gods. But then he actually compared them to the Talking Heads. But hmm. since they were from Swindon and not from New York City, they weren't appreciated in the UK, and. This is like a low brow, like kicking the pants. He's quoted in saying the British people don't like normal people that do intelligent things. <laughs> I, I think I heard that quote. Yeah, yeah. it was like the, it was an amazing quote. I was just like, wow, that's you, great. You just oh, really went off on he, like it was. He's this, got a rapier wit. That was a one liner that cut right to the bone. Yeah. yeah. And as I mentioned, Virgin Records, holy crap, did they screw this band over? Their record deal when they signed it back in 77, due to that, they never received anything from their album sales or concert sales at all. They losing this band on millions of dollars. They didn't get any, they didn't get a share of their album sales or their concert sales. What? The concert sales at all because they stopped touring in the in the in the early 80s. Record sales until until like 92 or 93, they sued Virgin. For unfair practices. Wow. But, yeah, they went on hiatus for seven years and in, in basically in protest. And the idea was that anything that they recorded during that hiatus would belong to Virgin because they were still technically under contract. So yep. they recorded they recorded demos and demos and demos of stuff in secret. Yep. Never talked about it. It was, it was you know just you don't speak of what you're doing. And they ma- amassed well among other things they amassed their last two records out of that. Mm-hmm. Wow! But they, it's they put out so much music. They were putting out stuff because they're studio only. So they were just putting out stuff. They're put, they're cranking out stuff constantly, and they never saw anything from that, which was that wouldn't happen nowadays. Like just those 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 predatory like record label executives that everybody kind of like laughs about now that were like big in the eighties and the nineties. Mm-hmm. These guys got got taken for a ride for sure um yeah. apparently they also had a manager who didn't quite manage them correctly and he's actually mentioned on this album i'm pretty sure there's a is. song about him yes it there's is a song and, about and, him on here and there's a quote that i can't 
give you verbatim. I'd have to go in the other room and get the book. But in their books, uh, there's a book about them called Song Stories, which mm-hmm. is, is an authorized biography of all the songs. Okay. And on that one, it basically says, due to uh, legal agreements, the band is not allowed to discuss the topic of this song. That's the entry for that song. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's 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 awesome. That's, that's if you got that that's there. Great. So, guys, the we don't do a lot of sales talk on the podcast anymore because sales are hard when it comes, especially with new newer stuff. But we do and like we don't us, like um, hard. We don't like hard. Uh, no, we're very we're very easy when it comes to that sort of stuff. So, how I usually uh, give our listeners a good idea, a barometer of popularity, is monthly Spotify listeners. So, how many monthly Spotify listeners do you think XTC pulls a month on average? Oh man, I've never pulled these numbers today. I've never looked. It's under a mil. I will tell you. I will give you that. Okay. It's 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 a six figure number for sure. Mm -hmm. It's more than bread. Oh wow, that's good. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) That's good. Yep, more than bread. Mid mid six figures. I'm gonna guess you know in the five hundreds, maybe three, okay, three four somewhere around there. I don't know. What do you got, Brandon? I'll go seven fifty. Brandon is closer. Ooh. Um, very nice. So the 875, 620, 875,620, they're pushing a million. All right. Well, that's good. And considering that they haven't released a record since what, uh, you know, the early 2000s, early 2000s. Or yeah. Mid, mid yeah. 2000s. Yeah. I think their last single came out in 2006. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right Spiral and there. Say It was, was mm-hmm. their last single. And then the album came out in 05 and then they kind of wrote it a little bit longer and they just kind of held off on it. But so the Big Express um, was released October 15th, 1984. I was roughly six months old. Um, that's Sorry. awesome. That's okay. No, you're okay. I love it. Um, it's their seventh studio album inspired by their hometown of Swindon and its railway system. The Swindon works was actually kind of the biggest push for this. Um, the album was a shift as we mentioned, as Mark mentioned before from the previous album, Mummer, which is described as more pastoral and modest. It is, it's a very low key album. And then they bring this one in and it's just not low key. Um, <laughs> So there was some instruments here that I'm going to lean on Mark a little bit, I think, to uh, break them out here. Tell me what they all are. Uh, one of them I do know, it's the, the euphonium. Oh, yeah. Euphonium. Yeah. Oh, that's dude, a, yeah. Tuba, bassist, yeah. brass. Well, it's more along the lines of a trombone. It's like a because it. it yeah. yeah. It, it's hard to say. It, it is like a it's it's like, it it's like a, a little tuba. It is like a little tuba, but it's got this. I don't know. The sound of a trombone. It's. Like, it's no, it's deeper than a trombone, but brighter than a tuba. It's like if a trombone yeah, and a tuba yeah. had a baby. Nice. It kind of looks it, like it, that too, actually. But it doesn't. It doesn't have a slide though, does it? No, it's, no, it's, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a valve. It's a. Valve. It's, a, it's, a valve. it's so it is like a mini tuba. It looks yeah. like a mini tuba. That's why I looked at it. I was looking at a picture of it, and I'm like, what is this? It's also what, known this? as a baritone. Oh, is it? Okay, so they said euphonium. Yeah. I was like, and that's give me the, the hard word. That's the orchestral name. That's the sophisticated They're going to give me yeah. the hard word. The other I, one. I can name what song that's on. <laughs> yeah, the other one, I had no idea what it was. Um, there's a couple of them. I, I know. So the Emu emulator yep. is a synthesizer. Mm-hmm. I knew what that is. Yeah. Yeah, sampler. Yeah. The Mellotron. Mark, what's uh, a Mellotron? A Mellotron is a predecessor to samplers that used a strip of tape for every key and okay so you depressed the key it engaged the tape across the head and it would go for i think around seven seconds and then it would run out and it would ha- you'd have to reset it so oh. you couldn't sustain it forever and there, i think there was three instruments on each 
tape, there's three tracks, and depending on what setting you had it on, it would pick up one of those three tracks. The most famous, probably the most famous Mellotron sound that everybody knows, even if they don't know it's a Mellotron, is the opening to Strawberry Fields Forever. Mm. That, oh, is okay. that is the Mellotron flute. Interesting. Okay, that yeah, makes a lot more sense now. Because okay. I had, I looked it up and they were like, I got the like, the like by the book definition. I was like, what the hell is that? Like, I'm gonna ask Marcus. He'll know. It's, um, it's, it's analog sampling, basically. And that's and that's yeah. what basically yeah. kind of I thought it as like the same thing with the emulator. It's like that's basically kind of what this is. Um, it was sampling before it was cool. Um, yeah. so the Lindrum, which was an electric drum machine, kind of an original drum machine. Uh, and 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 very very well used by many '80s artists. Mm-hmm. Yep, and hard used, in the '80s. I mean, I mean, Prince, for example, just just used the hell out of that machine. But like Human League, and mm-hmm. I mean, oh god, I mean, I, I, yeah, that was a big one. That one was, was I so I've yeah. heard of that one before. And then obviously the ones I know they had the they had a violin, they had viola, which mm-hmm. is a small violin. If you guys don't know what that is. Um, different. I know it's different. Uh, viola opposite. opposite viola is oh, bigger. viola is bigger. Yeah, yeah. The joke. The joke is, uh, what's the difference between a violin and a viola? And it's the uh, viola burns longer. Ah, yes. Yeah. It's awesome. Harmonica. I know what that is. Guitar, bass, and they had a, dr- a typical drummer on there. So there's a lot of instruments, and they kind of went. They used them all. They used them all. Oh yeah. Um. Now <laughs> yeah, the one thing about this album, it was overlooked by critics because um, it didn't really move the needle at first. Because it was perceived to be overproduced and had way too much experimentalism, like and the time, people pushed past it because they it was so much different than what Mummer was. Yeah. So they were just like, they jumped the shark basically. But, but, like, but Mummer also had a similar reception of like, well, what happened to the Rock and Black Sea English Settlement guys? Yeah. So it was like a flip and a flop, and either way, they were both flops. Both of those records did not do very well. And and yeah, and I, I I it was this one was done better. This this one did better. This one did not as good as Mummer. Mummer did better than this yeah. one at first, and then this one became like the cult classic later. Like yeah. after, at, like Kenny, you said, you're like I can kind of come back to something, and now it's like my favorite. But this one was like one that snuck onto the radar for a little bit there, and then it kind of came back. It did reach number 38 on the UK charts and number 170 on the Billboard 200. Now I'm not going to ask Mark because he probably knows the answer to this question. I'm going to ask Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, a Japanese band did use one song title as their band name. Which song title did they use, Brandon? Is it a song title from this album? It is. It's from this yeah, album. From this album. A Japanese... It's not a single. Uh, oh, it wasn't a single. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was not a single. So you can eliminate three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which one, Brandon? Uh, Oh man, I don't know. I want to. I don't. Do I want to make a joke or go not? for it? You probably can. Go I want to say "Shake You Donkey Up," but I, <laughs> that would be a great band name. That would actually be a good band yeah. name. No, it was Seagull Screaming Kisser. That was kisser. my second one. I was gonna guess, but I think "Shake You Donkey Up" is really more hilarious. That should be a band name now. It's also tighter. It's it a is tighter band name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Seagull Seagull Screaming Kisser Kisser is um. There's a lot going on there. It's a long, it's, it's a, a long, long band. Yeah. It's like a panic of the disco. Maybe, it's, maybe it's shrunken in a Japanese form. I don't know. It probably smaller. Oh, yeah, it is probably. As just, as of yeah, as of this podcast as well, this band is also huge in Japan. I mean, they, yeah. they loved them in Japan. Yeah, there's actually a lot of Japanese issues, including a whole series of bootlegs that have, have surfaced recently that I've been seeing. 
Interesting. They love live, this band in Japan. Yeah, a lot of live material from from the eighty to eighty two era. Nice. And not that I'm I was... a fan of bootlegs in terms of the fact that the bands don't get any money from them, but man, I'm tempted. Oh, I'm tempted. I actually have some of them on other <clears throat> other bootlegs. <clears throat> um, but I actually don't have that many. I may have, you know, have like six or seven. Nice. Let's. Well, I mean, there's and it's this. I I was just surprised on how big they were there because they didn't. They they didn't really get super big in England. They were they were a lot bigger in, in the U.S. than they were ever in England. Um. Eventually. Eventually, yeah. yes. And then, but then like that makes a little bit of sense, and that kind of happens. And then they're like, and then huge Japan. And I was like, really interesting but japan's always been a little bit like on the more weirder side of things and they just kind of like the more eclectic things so it kind of makes sense yeah but they did have three singles brandon okay um all the all you pretty girls which was their one music video from this album Mm -hmm. um the world is over and wake up yeah this world over um this this world this you know this world i'm going to go off camera one second go ahead Uh oh he's bringing something up I actually pulled this out the other night because I wanted to listen to one of the B-sides, which I have on CD as well, but I wanted to listen to it this on vinyl, and that is This World Over. Nice. Oh, nice. Including all of the postcards, which I have never unsealed, so I don't even know what they look like. <laughs> oh, wow. So I did screw that up. It is This World Over. This World I Over, yeah. Wrote, and I was typing it in. I wrote, typed it in wrong. It's my one mess up this whole time. Look at that. Hey, you're good, Steve. I didn't even do that bad. So... That being said, guys, it's time to kind of get into our favorite tracks. So, mm-hmm. Brandon, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, what was your yeah. favorite? Uh, I picked Shake uh, Shake Your Donkey Up. That is my favorite track. Uh, the groove that starts this track is fun. Keeps going and pushing the whole time. Uh, it was four and a half minutes of pure country bopping, in my opinion. Uh, the reason that I chose this as my favorite track, though, was the fact that... Uh, this track was one of the few tracks that I was actually tapping my toes or grooving to um, like the whole time of what was happening and going on in this track. Listening to it, they also added, as Steve kind of mentioned, unique instrumentation, um, you know, that, you know, with the the, the euphonium and I, what sounded like trash cans. It was. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was buckets and 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 metallic objects that Pete Phipps was playing. Yeah, things See, you don't yeah. things you don't hear in a country song. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. super fun. And for me as a musician, I love when people create music using objects that you don't normally expect people to make music out of. So I have a a, a deep appreciation for for that sort of thing. So that for me nice. was my favorite track. Yeah. Mark, what about you, man? What was what was your favorite or one of your favorite tracks? One of your favorite. Yeah, let's see. I'm getting the readers on. Oh no! Oh, yeah. Because I am. Extremely... You're reading off the record, though, so you have to get the readers on. Um, let's. See. Not back, but like the computer. It's a tough one. Um. <clears throat> and I've thought about this already because I knew you were going to ask me this, and I still couldn't come to a conclusion. So I'm going to actually say. Oh boy. I'm going to say Seagull's Screaming Kisser Kisser. Okay. okay. It's 
it's romantic, but it's the longing for what you can't have, which I think everybody has felt at one point or another. It's a very universal sentiment. It's also extremely, um, well, the metaphors and, and yeah, just the lyrics are just, are just charming. And it's also one that when I'm in good voice, I love singing along to. So yeah, I like it. Andy's voice is his his range is a little higher than mine most days, so I can't always keep up. But you can definitely go. You too. can try. It's all right. The car, the car will listen to anything you in, you give in it. In the car. In the car, <laughs> yes, when yeah. you're by yourself, you just do your thing. Go off. All right. Yeah. I, sure. I, I like almost it. I almost said I almost said wake up mm-hmm. because that I'm going to be the first to mention it because somebody else is probably going to mention it. But that guitar intro. Mm. alone when the first time i dropped that needle it's it's good i i tried my best not to pick any of the singles so i was like i'm gonna try because i like went and when there's an an artist you don't know you gravitate to the singles first generally and i'm like okay i'm gonna check out the singles this is what they put out for everybody to consume before the album or wherever this is what i wanted everybody to listen to first i'm gonna check these ones out and i liked them all and i was like okay well i'm gonna see what else is on here and i was like going through and texted brandon i was like man, this album is weird. There's a lot going on here. And he's like, dude, super weird. I'm like, it's, it's good, but holy cow. Like, I got to listen to this a couple of times. And I did. Nice. Uh, at work today, I had it on like in my headphones. I was trying to be a supervisor at work and like moving around and like different noises. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I can't figure out what's happening here. But um, yeah, that was the, the, the guitar. The guitar licks on a lot of these tracks are actually pretty good. I'm going to bring up one in my, in my uh, deep cut later, but my favorite track was "Everyday Story of a Small Town." A small town. Oh uh, yeah. And I yeah, I cool. liked it because it was such it was it, it's complex, but it's so easy to listen to. Um, also, was is, there a kazoo on that track? That, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. There's oh, yeah. the kazoo. Okay. The kazoo yeah. got me. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't appear to be like this. Has the same complexity as a lot of their tracks, but this one doesn't appear to be as like so cram packed where it almost feels forced where they're trying to get so many different noises and sounds in there. Mm-hmm. But what really drew me in and kept me going was that lyrical cadence, like just how the song is sung. It was just, yeah. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of a Beatles song. So it was kind of like, you're just like easing back into something that's super familiar already. And you're like, all right, I can groove with it, this. It might be the most Beatles song on this record. Actually. It, I think it is. And it was, it was one of those ones that was like, it felt like home for a minute. I sat in it and I was just like, all right, let's go. It, like it, it could be it could be their penny lane in a way because it yes. does sort of describe like what's going on, you know. In, in, yeah, in and it's very it's just very matter of fact of what's like what's happening around you, and you're like just walking down the street and like that's what's going on. And it was it was funny. It was funny, yeah. it was cool, but it was just like it, it did it did feel like a Beatles track. So it was it was just like that nostalgia factor for me, and like I could live here, like I could just be in this this is where I would sit. It was nice, I liked it. So that's, that's really, really cool. Do you I like yeah. Huh? No, no, go on. I'm done. The the thing about that song that I remember reading was that Dave Gregory was always really unhappy with the mix because it was it was too dense. It was too densely packed. And when you said it was actually like densely packed but everything was was clear and comfortable, mm-hmm. it's like Dave you were wrong. Yeah, <laughs> right. The mix was really good. I actually think the mix is marvelous. It's it's extremely dense, but it's also extremely everything you need to hear that's in the front is in the front. Everything that's sort of tucked in the back is like something you can discover later. It just kind of comes together, but it's so it is there's a lot going on, but it's so 
beautifully weighted how mm-hmm. it goes. It doesn't seem like there's such there's such a you know combatant of, of sounds. It's just everything just kind of molds right now. It's exactly what you want to do. Sure. But yeah, I, I love that one. So it is time to play the ecstasy wang oh i was gonna say the eclectic wang eclectic but, you know. wang oh that right. yeah word association name game let's go wang. let's play wang let's play wang word association name game wang word association name game wang wang all right steve <laughs> you said you got two for us One's a pop culture reference. I want to see if I want to see if you oh guys boy. get the pop culture reference. It's an American Idol reference, so we'll see. Ooh, yikes. Oh, all right. My right. first one though is: uh, Are you having a stroke? Uh, if I think about this too much, I will be. <laughs> right. I did read in the song title. Wake up. Nope. Can I? Put on my readers. You can. I have. What? Say it again. Are you having a stroke? Blue overall. No. Oh. Um. It's it's either it's either shake you donkey up or rain of blows. Mm-mm. You're no. the wish. You are. I had. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the wish. You are. I had. I had oh, to read that 14 I... <laughs> times to figure out what the hell and make sure I didn't spell it wrong. I was like, they can't be what it's supposed to be. Like, you're yep. the wish. You are. I had. Yeah. I, I, All right. It I reads like weird and sings beautifully. It does. No. When I listened to the track, <laughs> I was going to pick up my least favorite without even listening to it. I was like, what the hell? There's no way. Right. And I was, and then I listened to it. And I was like, this isn't bad, but it right. looks like it should be bad. Right. It it's a it's a weird song because it it it, it starts out a little atonal. Mm-hmm. There's some d- deliberate dissonance, and then mm-hmm. that chorus busts in, and the sky opens up, and the sun is shining, and it's it's a celebration. And it, it's it's good. I I I didn't mind the track, but when I like I said when I, when I read that song title, I was like, I'm gonna hate this. Like I'm gonna this is the one right here. I'm gonna I, before I even listen to it, I'm like, I'm picking this one. And then I listened to it, I was like, I can't pick that one. It's actually good. Um, but yeah. And then I was just like, I had to when I was typing it out because I'm a bad one for typos, as you mentioned before. I had to read it like three times and like double check the full times. Like make sure yep, that's how it's supposed to be written. Uh. So you're the wish you are I had was my first one. The second nice, one. Nice job, Steve. This is the American <laughs> Idol reference here. Oh, no, Taylor no, Hicks. No, Taylor Hicks's retro vehicle. Oh. Taylor oh, Hicks. Oh man, red brick dream. I don't know. No. You know Taylor Hicks is right, Brandon. Come on now. I, I do, I but um, uh, I bought myself a liar bird. Train running low on Soul Co. It's yes! the only. Yeah, it's the only Patrol. vehicle. Soul was, Patrol. Oh, Soul. Oh, the Soul Patrol guy from American Idol. Train oh, running yeah. low on Soul Co. I, oh, I yeah. guessed. I guessed it without knowing the reference, just because it was the only vehicle. I helped. I helped with the vehicle part. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna put something in here for the yeah, vehicle you part. Did. You did. To, to get in there, but I had the, the Taylor yes. Taylor Hicks reference. Uh, All right. Good old yeah. Soul Patrol. There you go. All right. So yeah, my second one was Train Running Low on Soul Coal, which was an nice. amazing song title. Um so now it's time to talk about our <laughs> least favorites. And I'm gonna go first because I picked sure. Brandon's favorite track. Oh no. <laughs> so shake your don shake your why. donkey up. Yeah. 
and honestly, I couldn't figure out why. There was a couple of reasons that <laughs> I was actually cool with it, but the I country it because f- I needed to fill the category. Yes and no. I had to get nitpicky. Um, the country feel they were going for kind of threw me off with what I wasn't. I was not expecting a new wave country, '80s yeah. mashup <laughs> thing. Right. I can actually say that with with as much really ideation as possible that no one should ever expect new wave country to ever be a thing. Even the '80s and the '80s were weird, man. But um, new wave country. You got one for me, don't you? Hazy Fantasy had a single. Oh, jeez. Just a band name, Hazy Fantasy. I'm yeah, done. Oh, and it, and it's, spelled, it's spelled. It's spelled H A Y Z E E F A N T E Z T Z E E. I think it's, it's something like that. Um, and they had a couple songs that were kind of like a hoedown. Um, John Wayne is big leggy was one of their singles. Yes. Oh, okay. Man. All right. Hazy fan. Yeah. Hazy guys. That's a. That's a. That's a. Uh, a, a yeah. bonus three there. Take that one. But it. <laughs> <laughs> so and they, I think that preceded uh, "Shake You Donkey" up as well. And as as Mark mentioned, Brandon, this is the track that they that are not legally allowed to talk about. Oh. Because no, that's that's um, bought myself a liarbird. Oh, it's liarbird. Liarbird. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was this one because the couple of references I said they were calling their old manager an ass. Um. No, I think it has more to do with with male female relationships and being critical of um, of men being jerks. Oh, those damn those damn message. Well, I, I agree with that as well. But those damn XTC message boards. When I talked to all the fanboys, I was reading through them on Reddit. I was like, "This is great. I'm gonna go check these out." There's a lot of people on there that have some weird weird uh, interpretations. Well, on the songs. internet, people have oh, weird interpretations. On the internet, yeah, I know. I'm on yeah. the internet. Weird. All right, Steve. <laughs> weird people on the internet. But again, the song is actually it's fun. Brandon is not wrong. It is fun. And when you're when you go into it expecting a country new wave mashup that nobody ever expected in their whole life, it's you're not surprised. But when you first listen to this album and you're just working with your head down, trying to get some stuff done, and all of a sudden you hear this one, you're like, "What the hell is going on here?" And that was. See, but can you say? But can't you say? Hey, what the hell's going on here? To a lot of these tracks, Steve. You're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. But again, country new wave. Yeah, it's, it's like if All if right. you know, you know, you had Boy George in like Florida Georgia Line, like going after it, like not that that'd be interesting. Actually, I'd pay to see that. I would. Boy not. George in Florida Georgia Line. That'd be that'd be amazing. He'd be he'd have he had fun with it. Can't even really quite imagine how that would work, but it does sound. It would work though. I could I could give Boy George a credit making he'd make that work. I'm sure. Interesting. Somewhere (laughs) it'd be a fun show to go at because you'd have the you know the new wave guys over here and the country rednecks over here, the bro country. It'd be yeah. You know who would love that? Wheeler Walker Jr. He'd love that. All right, (laughs) Mark. I'm gonna go to you. What if you have a most skippable song on this track? Do you have one? Yes, probably. It's either it's either Rain of Blows or actually, believe it or not, This World Over. Mm-hmm. Rain of Blows sometimes is just kind of... I can't quite slog through the verse to get to the chorus, which is very much a payoff. I mean, I always do. Yeah. But it's it's sort of like, oh, right. Yeah, that's right. This, this is the difficult moment. And This World Over is more based on the mix 
Hmm. The vocals are too damn quiet mm-hmm. in this mix. Yeah. And I noticed it even without even really realizing what I was noticing because I wasn't really, you know, a mixing engineer back when I was 15 when this came out. Mm-hmm. Although I was recording, but I wasn't, you know, I was, you know, a teenager. But I did notice, like, yeah, the vocals are, I mean, they're, they're audible. They're intelligible. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to it loud, they're fine. But if you're listening at a kind of a casual listening level, which is how we listen to music here at home, they kind of they disappear a little bit yeah and that's actually my my main reason why i don't like it some people are like oh i don't like the lindrum which is another mm-hmm. thing i'll get to about this record that part of the reason why this record is controversial but i don't mind the lindrum it's exceptionally well programmed andy and, and dave did the programming andy's credited with the programming but dave from everything i've read also did a lot of the programming too much to his dismay apparently um tedium he called it i think mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 either it's Rain of Oils is sort of the most difficult to chew on, and I mean the, the subject matter is 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 fine. It's not bad. It's just sort of the, it's kind of to me the most abrasive, least pleasant, um, at least when it starts out like kind of thing. Yeah, and then the vocals are just too yeah. damn quiet in, in this world over. Plus, the song kind of bums me out because it's like oh crap. Yeah, I agree. I like that though. Oh, yeah, I remember. I, I remember I remember the Reagan era. I remember the fears the fears that Andy is expressing at this point because I had them too. I actually wrote about them like in some essay for high school that my mom saved that showed up when I was clearing <laughs> my parents' house after my dad died. Come on, mom. I was like, Oh, that essay? Oh Jesus. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. At least it wasn't That's published. You're probably away. okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was definitely you know a teen, teen a teenage rant. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I no. was uh, I was in that during the uh, the Bush two, H W during W. So I was uh, that was when I uh, I was the yeah. teenage going off on stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was mm. in that range that range. Yeah. Oh, I can I can. His first his too. first uh, his first soirée four years was my uh, end yeah. of high school. So yeah. Yeah didn't get better after that but that was my first four that was the first one i like railed against um when i got like politically motivated was that guy and it's just gotten better from there i mean come on oh Um, yeah yeah. it's just been all uphill uphill, (laughs) especially comedy wise it's been fantastic yeah oh god yeah i mean elizabeth and i that's one of the things we do kind of you know every at least every weeknight when there's something new on you know on youtube after we've watched like whatever we're watching We'll check in with what we call the pundits, which is basically John Stewart and John oh. Oliver and um, uh, Jimmy Kimmel and yeah. the whole that whole oh. crew of comedians. Um, Trevor Noah, I'm sure I'm forgetting Colbert. Um, oh, Stephen yep. Stephen Colbert, yeah, exactly. And that's sort of our, our comedic relief and a way of catching up with the news that is tempered with humor. Yeah, it's such needed, it's such a twenty it's such a, it's such a, like a twenty twenty two thing. We were like, I get my news from all of these comedians, like that are that are going to tell me pretty much what's going on, but they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna lessen the blow, and it's it's almost yeah. like the Daily Show used to be satire, and now it's not, like now it's not sat- it's a little bit of satire, but not a lot as much satire, so it's kind of a weird no. thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel you there though, yeah. Brandon. What was your least favorite yeah. track, dude? I actually picked this world over as my least. Look at you. Track. I did. Uh, 
for me, yeah. this entire album is kind of quirky and somewhat out of the box. The reason I chose this album or this track was because it seemed to be the most normal track. Yeah. Yeah. Less. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Less. It was not quite exactly. It wasn't what the rest of the album had going on. Um, I was digging the unique sounds and lyrics that were going on with this one. Um, but yeah, it was just something about it feeling normal that I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I, this would definitely not be, it's not my least favorite, but again, it's probably, probably falls in the category of most skippable track. Nitpicky. Yeah, it is definitely nitpicky. Hmm? All right, yeah, guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever actually skipped a track listening. To this right. Record, but if I was to, the um, and also it was one of the singles, and I think I probably played it more back when this record came out because it was one of the singles. Um, yeah, it is actually. It, now that you mention it, it is like like funk pop a roll, the sort of only real like kind of straight up pop rock song on mummer is almost belongs mm-hmm. on this record this world over almost belongs mm-hmm. on mummer it yeah if it was performed with some acoustic guitars this world over would fit on mummer beautifully and i never yeah. thought about that but that yeah that's that's an excellent that's an excellent point it is it is it is well it's one of the two outliers which we'll get to in a minute I, mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure yeah, it's one of the two outliers on this record. Sure, for like sure. truly, like like left turns. Well, I mean, "Shake You Donkey Up" is kind of a left turn, but not really. In fact, once you've heard the record, yeah, you know, twice or three times, and it comes in, it's not a shock anymore. Right. All right, Brandon, is it time to play? Time to play the game. It is time, guys. It's time for Shatner's Poetry Slam. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies, ladies and ladies and gentlemen. This is Shatner's Poetry Slam. I'm Captain Kirk. Shatner's Poetry Slam. All right, so I've got go, Brandon, tra- go. I got two tracks. Here's the first one. All or and and all the flags that flap on the pier. Spell why on earth do you want? The fog hides much, but one thing is clear. She's nearer. Dead deck chairs under shroud. Kiss her, kiss her. Said it. Seagull screaming, kiss me, kiss me. Kiss her, kiss her. Yeah. Got it. Kiss her, kiss her, yeah. I'm sorry, I I thought you were done. No, no, you you can just, you can interrupt him whenever you want. Interrupt me. The Shatner pause, the Shatner pause caught me off guard. Yeah. (laughs) I had it, I had it about a line and a half before that. Oh, I think It did take me, it did take me, um, you know, a good 15 or 20 words. I'm like, what is he talking about? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The waving on the pier. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Here's (laughs) the next one. Very well done. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, here's the next one. Don't encourage him. Yeah, right. I heard <laughs> the engine's dying breath. Castles and kings all starved to death. I dropped the nation's cup. Shh. Please don't wake them up from song title. Song title. 
Buttons Gleam. Is it Rain of Blows? Nope. By the light of the furnace pouring. Molten memories splashing down. Why am I blanking on this? Upon the roofs. Train running low on Soul Coal? Nope. Of Swindon. Yeah, that's that's the one I was going with, but that's not it. Oh, that's that's gotta be small town. Nope. No. Men of muscle piston rods who forged the horses of the gods. I'll finish this verse. The so maid, this is killing me. I, I did. I did the maid, time. The town, a <laughs> set of chains, and sleeping it remains in red brick dream. Oh, 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 oh. I wasn't thinking the. B-sides. Oh yeah, he's. Damn it. Oh yes, of course. And red brick dream was was a poem that was originally written for the Swindon Historic Society, I think. That then was set to music later. Oh, Brandon, you got him. I could. I didn't think you'd get him. Yeah, I know you it's got okay. me because I, I I was completely scouring the main album and it's like oh red brick and it was like familiar. I was like what what is this? What is this? What is this? Yeah. Well done. Well done. Well done. That's awesome. <laughs> Nicely you. played. Yes. Thank so guys, you. I am now I am now shamed amongst all my XTC my all my XTC fan friends are like oh you missed that I will okay. I will He's what I'll do guy. is I'll I, just... I got it right away man. Yeah, I'll just cut it. Like I'll just cut it and make it seem like, yeah, you got it. We'll be good. We got it quickly. Uh, yeah, for sure. No, 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 no. You it's okay. You can keep the integrity it, of the game, Brandon. Yeah, I will I, keep. The I integrity. love it. I, I, I love it. I, oh. I have, I have no problem being shamed for my, my, my. Me too. I'm on TikTok. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. All good. Good. No, really good. <laughs> so, oh, it, it is time to get into our deep cuts. So, um, I'll go first. Um. Because I picked one that Mark talked about as his least favorite. Um, and I picked it for the music. Uh, not necessarily for the lyrics, because I agree with him. The lyrics are a bit rough, um, except for the chorus. But I picked Rain of Blows. The reason I picked mm. it is because <laughs> kind of <laughs> similar to um, Wake Up, that opening guitar riff mm. is awesome. True. It is the most classic rock sounding track on the album. Mm, like, yeah. When I think when I think like seventies post punk and like getting into the eighties, it's a lot of classic rock. And this one is like it sounds like a classic rock track that you would hear from like an eighties rock band. Um the opening is 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 epic, mixing in that snare, just the, the snare hits with the harmonica. Yep. And it's just it just kind of moves throughout there. Now lyrically, it's not much to write home about. It it's repetitive it's just kind of what it is but it excels musically like many of the other tracks really do but they, they also have the lyrical backup where i agree with you rain of blows just kind of slogs on there for a while um and it's hidden kind of near the back end of the album so i kind of was like it caught me and that opening yeah. that opening yeah. snare hit just kind of brought me in and then the the guitar on there i was just like oh this sounds like an 80s rock track let's go mm-hmm. so I like Rain of Blows for the music. Yeah. Lyrics, I could take or leave it. But you know, the, 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 and I'm thinking about it, there are there are lyrics in there that are really mm-hmm. really they're good, hidden. Though. Um, what is the? Let's see. What is the? <laughs> here they come. The readers come back. You know, the readers come back because the fine print. This is a 12 inch vinyl inner sleeve, but they're tiny. Um, what is the line I'm thinking of? I don't want to. I don't want to paraphrase it. Um, yes, Rain of Blows has washed away the corpse of Abel 
Cain is now the king in every Babel. Mm-hmm. That's freaking great. <laughs> and the, the songwriting is you know, is something that... on this album, and and the, like you said, I did because listen to it on Spotify. It throws after you finish it, it throws other tracks at you, other music from other albums and other bands too. And I didn't realize there was actually one that changed over from the end of this album to a, a, a Talking head song. And I was just like, listen to it. I was like, this sounds good. What yeah. what track is this? And I looked, I was like, it's not oh, yeah, the same band. They did, like, tour, they did tour together. That would be, be an interesting show. To, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. So, Mark, how about you? Do you have a like, a like a deep cut or a dark horse? It's not kind of a one that's not really widely known, but it's a good track. Well, it's it's the outlier for me. The other outlier mm-hmm. on the record, aside from, from This World Over, and that's I Remember okay. the Sun. It's jazzy. It's the closest thing to mm-hmm. an acoustic song. It's, I believe, yeah, it's a Colin Moulding song. It's one of three, I think, he's got on this record, never mind the B-sides. He doesn't have a lot of songs on this record. And it's just so compelling. The arrangement is is genius. They didn't have to do it in a jazzy style. Sort of like... um. The Man Who Sailed Around His Soul on Skylarking, which also was sort of done in that sort of, you know, James Bond spy thing. I don't know if that was Todd Rundgren's idea. I think it was Todd Rundgren's idea to kind of, you know, uh, spy theme it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But this is done in more of a, you know, it's just a swing jazz thing. And it's got, it's just so beautifully arranged. The instrumentation is impeccable the mix is impeccable the song itself I mean, it's a, it's a flawless piece of music and it's mm-hmm. not a single and it probably never would be a single but in a way it's the highlight of the record for me it's when when this song comes on i feel like i've taken the trip it's it's also a, st- a testament to the sequence of the record when this song yeah. com- comes on i feel like i've been taking on it I know, taking on a journey across the album. I'm almost there, mm-hmm. and I get this break of levity before I get Andy deriding his his situation, mm-hmm. kind of like he did on Funk Papa Roll on Mummer, of like, you know, the music industry, and argh, I'm getting old. It's like, dude, you're 30, you know. Actually, he was hey. 29. He says he's 30 in the lyric, but he was actually 29 when he wrote it, apparently, but whatever. Close enough. 29, jeez, that was a while ago. Um, But yeah, that's my... That, that's my that's my sort of my like dark horse or my sleeper. I like track. it, Brandon. What about you, man? Yeah. So my uh, deep cut was actually your favorite, Steve. It was the Everyday Story of Small Town. Nice. We do yeah. live in one of those. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> so one thing that I like to do with my deep cut dark horse tracks um, is kind of point out something that's a little bit different um, from you know whatever. And I mentioned it earlier. We talked about it earlier, and it's that damn kazoo. Hard to find this one, right? Hard, huh? hard to find different because it's yeah. hard to find something different it, on this album. It was, but it was the kazoo. Those were the greatest eight bars of music I have heard in a very long time. Plus the use of classical. And they bring it back after I think either after the bridge. Yeah, yeah, they do bring it back. Yeah, and I'm also a sucker for classical instrumentation on rock albums so you're a sucker yeah yeah absolutely i am i'm a sucker for the kazoo when it's done right yeah and buy your kids kazoos for christmas oh my gosh probably kazoos and recorders let's go right all the way along oh Oh, man 
Yeah, you yeah. got third. You're not your little ones. They're biggest ones not in third grade yet, man. You don't have a. I got a recorder coming home this this uh, this year, and it's the third yeah. grader, which is going to be uh, that's fine. That yeah. guy having a recorder. Mm-hmm. That kid doesn't ever shut up. So like having to put a recorder in his mouth, it's going to be hell. That'll be fun. My yeah. my my son when he was that age. Had a, had a I'm gonna have him play for the cat. So. We'll see who makes it a lot alive. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say I don't know if your Ooh, cat's yeah, gonna make it out on that claws. one. Yeah. Well, All right. Some, one of them. One of them. It's a, it's a fight to the death at that point. Right. What do you got, Brandon? What What are you wrapping this thing up? I'm gonna wrap this thing up. Start giving final thoughts on this thing in my arbitrary oh, rating. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it does. But yeah. Whatever. Uh, this band and album are quirky, but incredibly fun to listen to. This was the first time I'd ever heard this band or heard this album slash heard of this band. Um, But it's definitely not going to be the last time that I listen to them. I'm intrigued by what I heard. Nice. Yeah. And I'll be checking out more for sure. Sure. Um, This is one of those albums that I would recommend people checking out. Honestly, Uh, it's a great album um, that you can have on just kind of while you clean your house. It can provide you that drive that kind of keeps you going just a little bit more. Or even if you just want to sit down and mm-hmm. intentionally listen to it, you'll be impressed by the instrumentation used throughout the album, and it'll be a fun listen as well. So for me, I'm giving this one an 8 out of 10. Mark, let's head over to you. What are your final thoughts on this one and then your arbitrary rating from 1 to 10? Well, I, I, I alluded to this earlier on in terms of this being sort of a controversial record for them because the production for some people is the most 80s production. And everybody says, oh, it's their drum machine album. There's three songs on it that are, geez, there's two, there's two songs on it that are basically drum machine. Eh, maybe three. This World Over is definitely Lynn Drum all the way through. I think it's um, All You Pretty Girls. And I think this, but you know, I actually, I actually think there might be some actually live drum overdubs on this world over as well, but I'm not positive about that. I, I, I thought I'd noted that and then I didn't pay attention to that. Um, there's definitely a lot of uh, emulator samples and things. Like the, uh, apparently some of the horns on Small Town were the emulator, which was loaned to them by Tears for Fears. Mm-hmm. And I think also they used that on some of the um, train running low on Soul Cold sort of percussion stuff, the breathing yeah. stuff. Um, but it's actually Pete Phipps nice. on most of these tracks to at least a large degree, if not entirely. But it gets this reputation as being this drum machine album. It's hmm? not. It's a rock record. And it, yeah, there's definitely some of the, the 80s experimentation going on in there, but it, it, this is why I picked this record primarily is because the controversy, controversy of this record is it's so 80s. And I'm like, I don't, you know, if anything sounds 80s, it's Skylarking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, the Todd Rundgren produced album, the next album they, they did after the Dukes of Stratosphere, which is got his utopia keyboard sounds all over it. And I believe me, I'm, you know, a Todd mm-hmm. fan to the end. I don't love everything he does, but I do love him in general. And when I was, you know, that age when these records came out, I was a big Utopia fan. I mean, it couldn't get poppy enough for me. Now I kind of go, eh, okay, some of this is yeah. a, little too, <laughs> a little too saccharine. But 
So that's that's my um. That's just sort of the, the the point of this bringing this record up was that this is. I think if people give it give it a chance in in terms of, well, anybody who who had the context of when this record came out, they're going to hear it in the way they heard it because perspective is what it is. Mm-hmm. But anybody approaching the band now, like you all, I don't know if you if you got that same impression that it was like so dated in its production, no. but it doesn't seem that you did. Well, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'm thrilled to have introduced you to it. It's it's um, yeah. I'm I'm definitely um you know I'm an nice. FTC evangelist for sure. Like it. Yeah. Um. And have been every, you know everybody who knows me is like oh yeah that's one of his favorite bands and and of course you know I consider them to be an influence on on my own music but my music sounds nothing like them at all it's electronic it's I get compared to Nine Inch Nails oh <laughs> you know, I can't compare to Ministry and Skinny Puppy and, and bad to like committed that. to Trent Reznor though um, I'm saying like especially nowadays yeah I mean it's it's not a bad not a bad not a bad comparison nowadays. Not a bad comparison, and I've been getting that comparison since since the early '90s because his first record came out while I was mixing my first record. Um, but as far as ratings go, in general, I would give this record. It's not perfect, but it's really hard to say there's such a thing as a perfect record. But boy, it's close. It's probably a nine out of ten in terms of like mm-hmm. the grand scheme like of albums. Um, or maybe an eight and a half. Okay. I think there are other records of theirs that are a little more, a little more cohesive and maybe deserve a slightly higher rating. So I don't want to, I don't want to skew the bell curve. On the, <laughs> on the other albums. No, you're in good. terms of their catalog, in terms of their catalog, in terms of their catalog, it's nice. definitely a nine out of 10 out of their catalog. There's only a couple records. I think that really qualify as, as 10 out of 10. And one of them actually, if you take the two Dukes of Stratosphere, mm-hmm albums the ep 25 o'clock and the sonic was it sonic sunspot was the was the album um collected together as chips chips from the chocolate fireball or chips off the chocolate fireball um as the two records collected together Mm -hmm. that's a 9.99 out of 10 (laughs) okay It's, it's them as the ultra ego this this like the first first ep was released in um Let's see. It was April first, nineteen eighty-five, and was released without their identities being revealed. And it, it even re- issued it on the original Virgin Records nice. label from the sixties or seventies as this lost psychedelic band that was retrieved from the archives. And it, even before their their identity was revealed, it had already apparently outsold wow. the prior two records. <laughs> Hmm. So it definitely yeah. check out the Dukes of Stratosphere. You're in for a wild ride. It's a, it's you know it's 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 Electric Prunes. It's Kinks. It's Beatles. It's Beach Boys. It's Beatles. Yeah. More Beatles. Beatles. Um, it's Beat. Oh, there's a lot of Beatles. There's several different different ways of parsing Beatles into this stuff. Um, it's kind of a amalgam of everything that these guys grew up on that they always wanted to do. So they wrote these songs and did these. Check that one out. And it totally worth love it for that. sure. So for me, it was it was funny because I, I mentioned this to Mark before we started recording. But honestly, like Mark brought XCC up. I never heard of the band before. I mean, I'd never heard of the band before at all. I heard some of the music before, I think, but I never actually knew what the band's name was. You just hear stuff. Right. Um, yep. And then right after you brought it up, another podcast guest, another Mark, uh, Mark Montgomery French, uh, see the Halsey episode was episode 182 said i want to do either halsey or xtc and i was just like what xtc and he's like yeah I'm like 
they're a great British band. I'm like, I, I know now, but I did not know a week ago. And he's like, seriously? I'm like, you missed your cut by a week. Man, I'm sorry. But um, we'll have Mark back on uh, <laughs> next month in November to talk a little Tom Hanks uh, Tom Hanks soundtrack. It's going to be interesting yeah. there. Mm-hmm. But um, as we do uh, Happy Thanksgiving next month in November, we're going to do, I think, <laughs> nine or ten Tom Hanks soundtracks over the course of the whole month. That's going to be a fun oh, month. Man. But it, so – at some point with, with both these guys talk to us, I know I missed something in this band. I'm, I like music from, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, and the 50s. And I find that stuff all the time. And it's not very often that I've missed one, um, especially a bigger one. Um, but this album for me is kind of what I think Sgt. Pepper would have sounded like if it was made in the 80s. Like, it's just so, huh. Huh. it's yeah. so different. Yeah, but yeah, the same okay. and like coming out of it is it's kind of like their sergeant pepper a little bit where it's so bright and shiny you're just like whoa what the hell is going on around here and it, i see the beatles comparisons in this band's stuff listening to a few different things i i see it every one of their albums that i've checked out i, I did check out a little bit of mummer checked out a little bit of a couple of the 70s and just just dabbled a little bit here and there and i can see and hear the beatles like like you said almost every band you listen to you can see or hear the beatles somewhere it's like the bedrock of everybody built from them they also did a whole bunch of stuff in eight years um yeah right but this band for me does seem a lot more complex than the old bug boys um they just did a lot more and because they i mean honestly they were around for you know 30 30 more years and had and had had everything prior to their own their own output yeah so they 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 Use what the, the Beatles did, show. and then, yeah. and then built off that. So, if you haven't heard of XTC before, check them out, guys. There's a lot thing. This this album is weird, but in a good way. We've all mentioned it. It has some interesting, weird spots, and it, it caught me listening to music and re-listening to these tracks. I probably listened to this this album three times, like I said before, and just today, because I didn't understand where where the sounds were coming from like brandon said i think that guy's using trash cans and he was using trash cans the kazoo yep. the the different other instruments i had no idea the hell these sounds are coming from and i was like what the hell i i mixed a little bit of music myself and i'm like listening to him like what is that hold on what is that and trying to pick it all out <laughs> it's funny yep. so if you're looking for something that's more eclectic new wave is 80s but i still think is relevant to today's music for what it could come out as you'll find something that does that does appeal to you on this just this one album you'll find something that's appealed to almost every music genre fan somewhere um i went with brandon's i went with an eight out of ten on it so i, I did go with an eight there were some tracks i was like yeah but again like yeah. you said it's hard to have a perfect album and i felt like it felt pretty hot at an eight uh for me so um Mark, this is coming out. We are we are in uh, in late October. It's October twenty first today. Do you have anything happening publicly that you want to promote at all? You know, right now the only thing that's sort of an ongoing thing is, of course, my wife Elizabeth's and my our, our podcast is we're back, we're in season the Meat four, for Tea podcast. So yeah, um, there's the um, the yeah, yeah. I like I like it. it. It's also a nice yeah, it's nice and warm right now. Um, the uh hang on, my <laughs> camera sorry for the jiggly jiggly cam okay there we go um the next issue of the magazine will be out in De- early december so that's not like there's not anything particular check out the website um, though I'll, I'll make sure i post that again too i'm yeah. posting the show notes the, yeah, the meat yeah, for tea yeah. podcast website 
Meet for Tea, yeah, Meet for Tea website, but also the the Meet for Tea uh, Facebook mm-hmm. page is where most of the activity is. That and the, and the Meet for Tea Cast Facebook page. Yeah. Um, personally, I don't have anything lined up musically. I'm just doing the studio stuff. Um, I don't play live much, so my own material is. I think I played live twice this year, and the prior time I think was two thousand November two thousand sixteen, wow. where I had a live band backing me up. But I don't really play live much. I'm a studio oh. rat, so like my own. I like it. My own material is, is you know, I've got I got talked into by a, a fairly well known industrial musician friend of mine who I invited up to play a show that I was hosting with some other touring bands. And he, he said, well, you have to play too. And I'm like, I, I, but I don't have a band. He says, I just do it with your laptop. It'll You'll be, be okay. And nice. It was, it was actually a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So I did it. I did it. I got invited by another, another fellow musician to, to be part of another touring band set show in another local. Nice. Venue. It was fun. Yeah, and so I'll do it again, but I'm probably not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna. Not gonna promote it. You're just gonna go out and have some fun. Just kind of did that. I I understand that. I get that. So Brandon, do we have anything that you want to promote? We have something coming up next Friday. We do. There's a couple things I want to promote, Steve. That uh, first of all, guys, the Notes and Goats podcast is now on TikTok. Oh, we are. We are on TikTok. So yeah, so head on over to TikTok. uh, More avenues for us to do stupid stuff. And Notes and Goats pod. Go ahead and follow us there. Oh man, and uh, it's gonna get better and yeah, or worse. You can follow <laughs> us on Facebook too, the Notes with Goats podcast. Uh, guys, next week, Friday, we have an amazing guest. Uh, I mean, as all of our guests are amazing. Um, the guy that we have coming on next week may or may not have catfished while on a TV show, but catfished as his mom, yeah. Okay. A Netflix guys. A, a Netflix uh, reality star. Yeah, right. Yeah. Steve, I'm just going to tell it now because people are probably know. By this time. By this time, they better know. Oh, so right, next yeah. next week, Friday, guys, we have from the circle at season four, we bring on Mama Carol, a.k.a. John Franklin. He will be with us next Friday. So check out that episode. Uh, as we talk simple plan but that is it yeah, for right, us simple plan yes but that is it for us here today mark thank you so much for hanging out with us we super appreciate it Much steve fun. thank you gentlemen nice seeing you again right right uh guys this Jerk. has been i don't know this has right. been the notes with ghost podcast <laughs> i'm brandon and i'm just here apparently <laughs> apparently He's all steve. right yeah, poor Steve. Bye, Thank guys. Steve. Steve. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you, folks. Notes, the goats. Notes, the goats. Notes.